Blog Talk Radio. <clears throat> everybody and welcome to the Women of Golf show. I'm uh, Ted Odorico and uh, right alongside, uh, actually not alongside today, she's uh, out on uh, at an event and we're going to talk about that of course is none other than Legends Tour player and LPJ professional Cindy Miller uh, and we are the hosts of the Women of Golf show. Uh, good morning and welcome Cindy. Good morning Ted. How are you today? I'm, I'm doing fantastic. A beautiful sunny day here in Florida and uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that because now I believe you're in Florida as well. But let me just very quickly, Cindy, remind everybody, of course, we are live uh, Tuesday mornings from 9 to 10 a.m. Uh, Eastern uh, Standard Time uh, here on blogtalkradio.com. Uh, best way to find us, go to blogtalkradio.com, up in the search key, type Women of Golf, and that will take you to the main page. And, of course, uh, as I said, we're live Tuesdays from 9 to 10. Uh, if you can't join us live... Uh, not to worry, uh, you can go to that link as well and uh, scroll down to the on-demand section uh, anytime after the show and hear the recorded version. But uh, we appreciate you, those uh, that are tuning in live. Uh, you can also uh, pick us up on iTunes.com. Again, go to iTunes.com, type in Women of Golf, and that will take you to the page uh, for those of you uh, on your iPhones and so forth. Um, you can also call in or speak to Cindy and I at any time or any of our guests during the broadcast uh, by calling area code 347-945-5855. And if you're interested in uh, becoming a, a guest on the show, you can reach out to either Cindy or I. Uh, Cindy's email, of course, is uh, cindy at uh, cindymillergolf.com. That's cindy at cindymillergolf.com. And you can also reach out to me at ted.golftalklive at gmail.com. Uh, for those of you that maybe like to be a guest on the show. I've uh, got a great show for you this morning. Uh, a couple things. We're going to get caught up with Cindy, what she's up to this week, uh, and uh, also a uh, learn how to hit uh, a kit that she's come out with, and we're going to get her uh, to talk a little bit about that. And then we're also going to remember the loss of an LPJ professional, Don Coe Jones, who, uh, and I'll mention a little bit more about that, who uh, we lost her this past weekend. And then our very special guest joining us in the second half of the show is Courtney uh, Man uh, Gilday. She's a Class A uh, LPGA golf instructor uh, with the Tour Striker Golf Academy at the Raven Golf Club in Phoenix. So we're going to be joined by her in the second half. But uh, in the meantime, welcome everybody. And uh, again, welcome Cindy. Thanks, Ted. Great to be here. Um, okay, so as I said, um, you know, we've got a beautiful sunny day here in Florida. Now you're, uh, I believe, in Florida as well. What are you doing today? I am in Naples, Florida, and we are on our way to the CME Global Championship on the LPGA Tour, and I'm with the people from Body Track Golf, and of course, the Body Track people have been on our show with us before, and we are measuring right. pressure. So we're going to get some traces of the LPGA Tour players. Uh, Body Track's mat measures the pressure of your 
feet, basically, on a mat so that you can swing more efficiently and hit the golf ball better, further, mm. and more in balance. Well, just what every golfer wants to do is to be able to hit it uh, certainly with more consistency and be able to uh, elevate their, their level of game. And, and uh, I know uh, Terry Hashimoto, who's uh, in charge of Body Track, is with you. And uh, I know they're going to be doing lots of great things uh, testing some of the players today. So good luck with that. Um, Cindy, I also want to uh, mention last week you, you talked about the launch of a new product that, that uh, you're going to be offering uh, golfers out there. So let's talk a little bit about that. Uh, let's uh, refresh everybody's memory. Yes. So I've created the Learn to Hit It kit for those who need to learn to play um, business golf, basically. That's how it was born because I had a bunch of women that I was trying to teach at a corporate event. And they said, you know, I know I need to learn how to play this game. And it's, it's so difficult. And I just can't hire a babysitter when I've been working all day. The guilt factor shows up. And it's so expensive, and I don't know how to find an instructor in my city. So they said, why don't you create something that I can learn how to hit it in my backyard? And I said, what a great idea. So the Learn to Hit It kit comes with a portable golf mat and a, some nine foam whistle balls and my book, Golf 101 for Executives, and you get a 10% discount off any Callaway golf club you want. So if you don't have any clubs, you can order just a 7-iron so you can learn to hit it in your backyard. And then you get access to my online course um, on online. So, and there's 10 modules and video lessons and 8 downloadable PDFs and resources and um so you, you've got no excuse. You can learn to hit it in your backyard, your front porch, your living room, or your hotel room. Exactly. You know, Cindy, this is a great, and, and I think this really comes into sort of the evolution of golf. You know, traditionally people would come out to the, to the lesson tee or to the, you know, to the golf course uh, to take lessons, and we certainly want to encourage people to continue to do that, especially some of the new young players out there. Um, but there are some, you know, in that, uh, you know, new category particularly, um, that want to be able to, to learn to play this game a little bit better, but sometimes there's time restraints. So this is a great product that you've come out with, the, the Learn to Hit It uh, kit that allows um, some of those golfers, as you say, that have got a busy uh, day schedule that can't maybe take 30 or 40 minutes to go to the golf course, uh, but maybe can spend 20 or so minutes at home uh, every day and, and elevate their game so that when they do get out in the golf course, they're going to be able to, to play uh, much more successfully. Uh, and I think that's a great uh, product that you've come up with. Absolutely. And there's two different ways. So, let's pre- you know, if you already have uh, access to a mat or you're going to go to the range and do it, you can buy just the course, the online course at $49. And you would go to uh, learntohititonline.com. <laughs> and if you want the whole kit, you would go to learn to hit it kit.com where you can get information and or you can purchase the kit it's $99 for everything the map and the balls and the book uh, and the course you know and and let me just let me just emphasize something that you you mentioned last week um for $99 um in many many cases that's just going to get you uh, a golf lesson with a uh, PGA or a LPGA uh, professional. So, uh, and certainly that's that's certainly value in itself. But you're getting so much more for the value that you're offering with this Learn to Hit It kit 
um, for really the same price that you pay for one golf lesson in, in a lot of cases. So that's a that's a, a lot of uh, a lot of uh, meat, if you will, in in the uh, product that you're offering. Absolutely, absolutely. So there's there's no excuse. So people that that uh, and, and you know the beauty of this, Cindy, is um, you know you're getting a lot not just physically, but you're getting a lot of access to information. The information that you're providing. Um, would be something that most people would have to take a series of golf lessons uh, to get that same information. And you're, as I said, you're getting it for the cost of really one. So uh, kudos to you for, uh, for putting that together. And uh, we're going to keep continuing to talk about that um, for the next several weeks as we lead up to, of course, the Christmas season. Uh, we want people to, uh, to be able to maybe uh, not only purchase that for themselves, but maybe consider purchasing that uh, for a gift for uh, their fellow uh, uh, golf enthusiast, so uh, we'll, we'll get you more information as the weeks progress. Um, Cindy, I want to move on just a little bit. You know what, you're going to have to forgive if... me for a second because I'm trying to go through um, security to get into the course for the tour event, so I might have oh. to be talking to some police officers here in a second, so forgive me. Okay. Well, ho- hopefully they won't be taking you away in shackles and chains, so just, just remember to remain the professional uh, that you are, Cindy, and, and uh, if we don't hear back <laughs> from you, well, we we know that you uh, you overstepped your bounds, so just be polite and and uh, remember that lovely smile, um, Cindy. What I'm going to do is while you're going through that, then I'm I, I'm going to take uh, I'm going to take um, uh, this moment to uh, to to begin our segment uh, in remembering really a, a great uh, uh, LPGA professional, Don Coe Jones, as as I mentioned in the opening uh, segment of the show, uh, uh, passed away this past uh, Saturday, November the 12th. And I'm just going to read out a few things, uh, Cindy, and, and if you're able to, uh, I'll, I'll try to be cognizant of, of what you're doing there, um, and I'll, I'll bring you into the fold as well. But let me just read this out here. This was uh, taken from a number of different articles that I read over the last few days. Um, Donco Jones, as I mentioned, uh, was a, a Canadian uh, professional golfer who passed away, as I said, this Saturday, November 12, 2016, uh, after a very long battle uh, with cancer. Uh, she was uh, 56 when she passed away. Uh, the former LPJ uh, golfer died at a hospice near her home in Tampa, Florida. Uh, and again, she was had been diagnosed uh, in March with an aggressive bone cancer, uh, according to various news sources. Um, you know, she was a, a, a great. She was born in uh, Campbell River, uh, British Columbia, uh, in uh, October 1960. And as a teenager, worked at a number of uh, a nearby golf course as a grounds. So actually started not as a player, but uh, as a groundskeeper at a nearby golf course. Uh, she attended uh, Lamar University, where she was an All-American golfer and graduated with a degree in elementary education, uh, and where she also won several amateur events, including the Canadian Women's Amateur in 1983. We'll read out some of the different events that she uh, uh, won uh, throughout her career. Uh, in uh, 1984, she joined the LPJ Tour and uh, would continue uh, on the regular tour uh, until 2008. During that time, she won three events, and again, we'll mention those in a few moments. Uh, she amassed more than uh, $3.3 million in her career earnings, and uh, she was also inducted into the Canadian Hall of Fame, a uh, Golf Hall of Fame in 2003, uh, a great accomplishment. And uh, Dawn is, of course, survived by her husband, James Edward Jones, her son, Jimmy Jones, and brothers, Mark and John Coe. Um, just a, a very sad, uh, I, I certainly uh, did not know her personally, um, but did have the opportunity to watch her over the years. Uh, always, you know, um, when I had time to watch more golf tournaments uh, a number of years ago, uh, I watched her and many of the other LPGA professionals play, as well as the, the men 
uh, men tournaments. Um, but she was just a great, um, a great competitor, um, really was able to, to sort of zero in on what she needed to do and, and obviously uh, had uh, some phenomenal success uh, on the tour in that. But I want to also, Cindy, I want to read out just a couple of quick quotes um, you mentioned earlier to me off-air that uh, you've been tagging along there at the LPJ with Gail Graham, uh, who is a fellow Canadian and also a two-time LPJ winner as well. And let me just read you very quickly and to the audience uh, just a brief quote that she said uh, in the uh, Legends Tour news. Uh, Don touched so many people. Uh, uh, Gail Graham, a fellow Canadian two-time winner, said uh, this past week uh, she was always the one who worried about others. That says a lot of about that person's character, um, you know, who is thinking more of others than yourself, a very selfless act. Um, and that's not something that we see very often, unfortunately, anymore. Um, touch a little bit on that, if you wouldn't mind, Cindy, what it, you know, what that says about Don's character to be able to really be more concerned about others than yourself. If- well, she was just such a warm and caring type person. And, and the funny thing is, is that she really, it said in the, in the quote that, or the article that she was battling cancer for a long time. And in reality, she wasn't. She, right. she had gone in to get a tumor removed from her leg. Mm-hmm. And this was just within the last six or seven, eight months maximum. And right. When she went in to get the tumor removed, they found cancer everywhere. And they said, this is not just a tumor. This is cancer, and this is bad, and there's no cure, and it's a sarcoma. And and Mm. all the research and stuff, they said that there has not been a new sarcoma drug developed in 40 years. Wow. Which is really, really sad. So. Gail Graham and Mary Beth Murphy, who we all played college golf with, you know, all the former players, we all got together and we said, you know what, why don't all the teams that we played college golf with get together and um, we'll raise money for sarcoma research, which is what we absolutely did. And we raised like $40,000 with all these golf teams for sarcoma research, which is, you know, wow, that's, awesome. That's fin- yeah. yeah, that's fantastic. And, and Yeah, and she knew that she wasn't going to make it, you know, and they had a charity fundraiser not too long ago. It was just, it was awesome. It's just, she's, she's such a doll, and, and she's going to be missed severely. And her son, Jimmy, uh, is playing college golf at the University of South Florida. He played in the Porter Cup this year. He's just a great kid, and it's just so, so, so sad. You know, I think you're, you're, you're exactly right, and well, well said. Thank you, Cindy, for sharing that. Um, just a couple of points I want to add on. Um, you know, what a great, um, you know, great, and I've said this many times in the past about, you know, some of the, the wonderful ladies, including yourself, Cindy, um, part of the LPJ team, if you will, that continually go out there and just, you know, whenever, you know, whenever, whatever situation uh, we may be dealing with in the public, whether it be uh, cancer or, or other, uh, you know, circumstances that, that maybe uh, the public may be facing with, 
many of the, 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 some of the top ranking and, and even some of the junior LPGA players just seem to really rally around and get out there and do whatever they can to bring awareness to uh, maybe a cause that hasn't been brought uh, in the forefront before or an existing, uh, you know, uh, issue that maybe the public may be dealing with, they seem to just rally the troops around and get out there and do everything they can to, to, to uh, raise funds uh, when needed and, and so forth. And, and, and I said this many times as well, you know, kudos to the LPJ Tour and all of its members for all of the hard work that you ladies do and uh, doing that, um, you know, and I'm sure... Um, you know, Don's looking down and, and just appreciating all of the fond memories that are being shared over this last week by many of her fellow players and friends and family. Um, but also, I'm sure she uh, has felt proud over her career for being part of an organization that um, isn't just out there for their own uh, doing, but, but cares enough to give back to their communities. And you, got, you ladies just do a phenomenal job. I couldn't be prouder of, of uh, a group of individuals than I am of the, the members of the LPJ Tour. Well, thank you. Um, I also want to read out uh, quickly here, too, as well, um, Cindy, uh, a, a quote from, uh, or also a, uh, a note, if you will, from Jane Blaylock, the CEO of the Legends Tour, who we've uh, featured on the show a number of times as well. Uh, she also uh, released this out in the Legends Tour news release. Uh, Don was truly a player and a person admired, uh, respected, and loved by all of us who had the fortune to know and play alongside her. Uh, of course, this is indeed a very sad day, referring to uh, Saturday. Um, you know, Jane, let me just say this. You know, as I said, Jane has been on the show a number of times uh, in the past to talk about, you know, the advancements of the Legends Tour. And I don't think she could have said, um, you know, uh, enough about all of the wonderful women that she's had the opportunity to play alongside, um, but also to be able to help. Um, you know, develop this Legends Tour and uh, and really showcase some of the great ladies, you know, Kathy Whitworth, Rosie Jones, Carol Mann, yourself, Cindy, um, you know, just on and on, um, you know, some of the newer ones that have come in here uh, over the last few years as they, as they qualify uh, and are able to play on the Legends Tour. Um, and, and it's just nice to see just the camaraderie, as I said a moment ago, uh, with so many great individuals and, uh, uh, I, I can tell that the, these, you know, these comments and statements that have been made by both Gail and, and uh, Jane are, are certainly heartfelt, and um, and uh, they, they, I, I agree that they are certainly going to miss uh, one of their own, Don Co. Jones. Absolutely, absolutely. It's funny because uh, you know we all kind of grew up together because of you know junior right. golf, college golf, LPGA Tour, and now Legends Tour. So it's a the the game of golf is a lifetime game, which is awesome. Yeah. Yeah, and and you know, we're we're going to have the fortunate uh, honor here in just a little bit of being joined by uh, a, a younger player, uh, Courtney uh, Gilday. Uh, she's a Class A LPJ golf instructor, and and also played uh, for a number of years. I think this is her ninth uh, season. She's played on the Symmetra Tour, uh, who we've also had the opportunity to feature many young uh, up and comers uh, on that tour as they make their way to the LPJ uh, regular tour. Um, but you know, she's going to be coming on here and, and I know she wants to talk about certain things, but, uh, uh, there's a couple of questions that I put together, Cindy, on our behalf that I, I want to ask her as well. And, and one of them is, is, is this, and I'm just going to sort of throw this out here now with you, Cindy, maybe we can talk a little bit about that and then we'll get her, uh, perspective on it. 
um, it's really about the millennial, uh, the millennials out there. Um, introducing golf to, to this particular group, I think, is really for many has been a tough hurdle. And and my question is to her is what does she see from her particular coaching experience along the way of getting them more engaged in the sport? They're very in depth and very. Um, you know, more interested in, in social media and things like that. And I know many people have tried through social media to engage them and some have had some success, but it has been difficult. Have you found that as well challenging with, with some of the younger generation? And I'm not talking the real juniors. I'm talking about sort of the, the middle school up to even uh, collegiate level, that sort of category. Have you found it difficult to get them out in the golf course? I have not. I have not. Well, you're one of um, well, you're one of the lucky ones. What's the secret? <laughs> I maybe just to have fun. <laughs> it, yeah. You know, it boils down to just having fun. I I think they need to be invited to play. Right. And I think if you invite them, then they might, you know, it, they might not have access. Their parents right. might not. You know, and they if they don't have any friends to play, then they would never even attempt to play. But I think if you right. invite them, you know, that changes everything. Do you, yeah, and and well said, and 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 you know, I, I know Cindy just from conversations that we've had on the show and and off. Uh, I know that you do a great job of bringing a lot of young players to the game, uh, and not just those that are aspiring to to play professionally, but but those that just want to go out and, as you said, have fun. I think the point I'm getting at, and, and you kind of just alluded to this here in your in your response, I think one of the, the concerns that I have is in the way that we're marketing new golfers, the perception, and maybe I'm completely wrong, and, and please feel free to, to disagree, I think one of the misconceptions by a lot of uh, younger people out there is that golf is not for them. Golf is a sport for those that want to play on the tours or play at a professional level or collegiate or whatever the case may be and it's not meant to be uh or in their eyes just uh you know recreational if they want uh, just to go out and have fun and and you know uh, another uh, avenue to uh, you know as maybe as a potential business tool down the road when they get out in the workplace they see it as a a highly competitive sport um for those that want to play at, at a professional level do you agree with that assessment that maybe there's been a misconception and maybe do we need to adjust um, the way we market golf uh, uh, in future so that it, people understand it's not just to be competitive out on tour? Well, I believe if that's their assumption, then yes, it's incorrect, and yes, we need to do something about it. I think it's all on how you market it. You know, right. wanting to come out and play the game of a lifetime, as I just mentioned, you know, Right. I only played on the LPGA Tour for three years, and I played on the Legends Tour a little longer. But um, the point is, is that you there's always a window. You're not going to be great forever. <laughs> you know, there's right, right. learn how to play, learn how to compete, and you don't have to compete. You can just play for fun. You don't even have to be on your golf team. You can. I have a dad who who wants his son to play, so he's got somebody to play with on the weekends. So right. family time, recreation. So there's. A lot of reasons. And exercise. Let's go walk. You know, seven miles, eight miles when you play 18 holes. Yeah. So. Well, I, I guess, yeah, I guess the, the, the reason why I mentioned that is, you know, when I, when I watch some of the commercials and things that we see um, promoting golf, um, you know, we, we obviously, and I understand the reasons why it's, it's part of marketing, it's part of uh, product endorsements and things like that. 
Um, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. But I, I, I'm just wondering if maybe there needs to be a balance. And, and, and again, you just made a great point uh, about uh, a gentleman that you're working with that wants to wants his son to learn to get out there and, and you know, be able to play with him on the weekend. So I think there's a family, and I'm going to use this as an example. I know maybe it's not the greatest example, but I remember a number of years ago, um, the city of Las Vegas, when, when trying to sort of really reinvent itself, started promoting towards family and getting families to come to Vegas as a family experience, not just, you know, your high-end gamblers and, and that sort of thing. And they did a very successful campaign for a number of years, and it did attract a lot of you know, not just again your 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 hardcore gamblers, but it, it attracted families to come and experience Las Vegas. And they they created things to do that were family oriented. And I'm just wondering if maybe the golf industry in its um, promotions could maybe follow suit and promote more of family golf. You know, getting the kids involved for those parents that play, or um, you know, kids that maybe um, just want to have something else to do. Um, maybe that might be an approach and, and maybe there is some of that going on on an individual, but I'm saying on a national scale, I think maybe that might, uh, intrigue some, some younger players to want to play if they see that it's not just geared for one segment of the, of the population. I, I don't know. It's just a thought, but, um, uh, any, any comments in that respect? Well, I'm sure you're absolutely right. And, and again, access. So yeah. if, my opinion is that we should have some shorter courses that would take less time to play and maybe light them so that you could play at any time. I think that would be a huge benefit to people. Right. And, and I, you know, and so because the number one thing is it's too expensive and it takes too long. Okay. So let's make it less expensive yep. and shorter. And, you know. Yeah. Yeah, and I think the accessibility is a big one um, as well. It's not just the cost factor. That's certainly up in the forefront. Uh, but you're exactly right. Most um, people's experience to golf for the first time is, of course, the driving range. Uh, and certainly there's nothing uh, wrong with that, getting out there and, and hitting a few golf balls. Um, but it's very difficult, certainly at the cost levels in some cases, for a family to go out and say, okay, well, let's go out and play you know, even nine holes. I mean, if you've got a mother and a father and, and two kids that want to play, it can be quite costly by the time you add equipment in and, and all of that. So, um, you know, I remember, and, and I don't see as much of this anymore, maybe because it fizzled out and maybe we need to have a resurgence, but I remember you used to see a lot more par three executive courses uh, out there that were, um, you know, again, you know, they were par threes, you know, every hole, and it was a little easier to play. It was much more affordable, and a family could go out there very inexpensively. And most of them offered clubs as well. It might be just, you know, uh, um, certainly didn't need a driver, but it might be a few irons and a putter. Uh, but you were able to get on there fairly inexpensively. And it seemed to, to move away from that, and we got into, you know, some of our, our bigger courses that we see now seem to expand. And I just wonder if maybe the golf industry should focus on, say, and I know some courses do have a par three course, but a lot of people don't really know that unless they've you know, been out there. So I'm just wondering if that, as you said, to, to add to that accessibility, if maybe um, you know, the industry should take a look at that seriously and say, okay, let's, let's create a product 
that the whole family can engage in that's not going to you know break the the pocketbook especially in this day and age when when people are are struggling financially a little bit more um they're less inclined to to put that sort of cash outlay so maybe there's some opportunities there and i like what you talked about cindy at the beginning of the show with your learn to hit it kit uh, you know, a lot of people, again, may not be able to sign up for a series of lessons. That's a great way um, with your Learn to Hit It kit to introduce people to golf because that's something really the family can do together within their own home. Absolutely. And the, and the other thing, the beautiful thing about the online course is you can go back and watch the videos over and over again, which is, you know, what you should do until you can right. accomplish the skill right. exactly. and you get proficient at it. So it teaches you how to hit it clean, airborne, and straight on purpose, and you can keep going back and reviewing the video lesson, which is a very inexpensive way to improve your skills in your backyard, and you don't have to pay $10 for a bucket of balls. Right. And and the other thing that it does, too, I think, especially for some of the newcomers, um, you know, and I'm sure you probably heard this uh, same um, comment before, but a lot of people, especially if they've never played before or very, very new to the game, um, are, are intimidated to go to a golf course. Um, they don't know what to expect. They, they've really had very little, if any, exposure to the game. So they're apprehensive. They don't know what questions to ask. They don't know, you know anything really about the game at all other than what they've seen on TV. And you know, when you're seeing people hit it you know, 330 yards down the middle of a fairway, and you're lucky to get it, you know, three feet off the ground and maybe hit it 50 yards, you're, you're already, you know, behind the eight ball. So, uh, again, kudos to your program. I think that this is going to be a great opportunity for people to get exposed to the game, to get some general understanding and fundamentals uh, and tips along the way and, and really get a, a better grasp on the game and then be able to graduate, if you will, and take some of those lessons and skills they've learned through your program, uh, through your online program, and then feel more confident, I think, going to the golf course. Absolutely. And that's the hope and the And we're going to continue. Yeah. Of... Exactly. And, and we're, what we're going to do, Cindy, is we're going to keep plugging that uh, throughout the shows, uh, particularly right up to Christmas, as, uh, as I mentioned earlier. Uh, what a great opportunity uh, for those out there that uh, want to uh, maybe get a, a special gift, gift for somebody at Christmas time uh, or a birthday or really any time. But uh, if you're not sure what to get, uh, get somebody for, for the holidays, this is a great, uh, a great gift and very, very reasonable. Um, all right, Cindy, I see that uh, Courtney is, is with us here. So let me just do a very uh, a quick introduction and then we'll, we'll bring her out here. And I know we've got some, uh, some questions for her. Uh, as I mentioned uh, earlier, folks, uh, our very special guest this morning is uh, Courtney uh, Gilday. She is a Class A LPGA uh, golf instructor with the Tour Striker Golf Academy uh, out at the Ravens uh, Golf Club in Phoenix, Arizona. And she really developed uh, this game uh, at a very early age. Uh, her father, who was also a, a Class A PGA professional, uh, through his passion for the game, really helped to encourage her to become an elite competitor and coach. Uh, she had a successful amateur and professional career uh, competing for the University of Arkansas, as well as various other uh, professional golf uh, tours, including the LPGA Symmetra Tour, which I mentioned. Uh, in addition to a professional playing career, she began coaching uh, uh, her career at, as the head golf, uh, women's golf coach at the University of Missouri, uh, Kansas City. And for five years, she balanced tour life uh, with some of her various coaching positions until she realized what she calls her true passion uh, teaching people how to better enjoy the game of golf 
through improving their performance. And just a, a lot of great, uh, great accolades that she has in her resume. Uh, and we're going to talk a little bit more about that. But let's, uh, let's welcome our very special guest, uh, Courtney Gilday. Good morning. Hi, Ted. Hi, Cindy. How are you? Good morning. Thanks for having me. We're doing great. Thanks for joining us. No problem. Yeah, uh, Courtney. um, I want to start off, and I know you you, um, have some things that particularly you want to make sure that we that we discuss today. But uh, I want to start off very quickly a a conversation that Cindy and I were having a few moments ago, and I'd just like to get your uh, quick take on it as well. Um, The question I had for Cindy, and and now I'm going to have for you, is. There's been a lot of talk, uh, you know, in the media and the news about millennials, um, about how do we engage them. It's, uh, and I know you fit in that category, um, but golf seems to be, uh, for some, as a tough hurdle to engage this particular segment of the population. They're very into social media. They're very into other activities. Um, number one, what's your reason or your understanding as maybe why a lot of millennials aren't gravitating to golf uh, as much and if you're having some success in your own career, uh, getting into tapping into that group, what what is it about your coaching uh, experience and training that has helped you to be able to engage them into the sport? Right. Yeah, I think it's um, tough this day and age to get people involved because they are involved in social media and other, um, you know, interests that they have. But, you know, for one, I think that golf is an expensive sport. Um, a lot of times you can only go out and pay for 18 holes and, and you can't pay for nine or, or three per se. So um, that's one thing. I think that um, sometimes courses, if they offer maybe a three-hole rate, that might get people more interested in playing the game. Um, but also it's a hard sport. I mean, let's face it, you're hitting this little ball and trying to get it in a small hole. It looks very easy, and the pros all mm-hmm. make it easy to – you know, you, you look at them and say, oh, wow, that's, that must be easy. I thought the same thing about tennis, but it's hard. Um, and so I think, you know, being able to start some people into the game of golf at a young age and get them interested right away um, can really help the game and help help grow. So our junior development programs need to be strong. Um, but right. I think just, you know, there's right. a lot of uh, other things that people are interested in, so we need to make – um, golf something that can be fun and and make it not easier because that's pretty much not going to happen. It's always going to be a right. challenge. Um, but if we can make it to where even like the par is 72, right? For people right. that are beginning the game of golf, the par shouldn't be a 72. Um, so I think as in- instructors, we can be very creative with how to engage people coming into the game and introduce them to where they're winning not um it not them stepping into the game where they're already losing right do you also see um courtney as well i mean you you mentioned about it and cindy obviously mentioned about the accessibility to golf uh and and making it more accessible to, to the masses but do you also see maybe a little bit of a stigma with golf that when people see it on tv and and i'll give you a couple examples then i'll get you to respond you know, when we watch uh, the players on, on the Golf Channel and, and other networks, um, and, and understandably, I know why they do it the way they do it, but, you know, we're, we're seeing more often not all the good shots uh, and all the successes on there, but we don't really see a lot of the players, you know, that duff it over here, or which I know doesn't happen very often, but there are bad shots. You know yourself, Cindy, I know you've hit some bad shots along the way, as, as have I uh, in our competitive playing, but um, 
do you think that maybe if people saw maybe a little bit more – I'm not saying they have to you know, completely reverse it, but see a little bit more of some of the struggles that the tour players have, that they could say, hey, you know, he or she hits it kind of crappy like I do sometimes. Do you think that that would maybe help <laughs> – um, make it bring, sort of bring it down to their level and say, hey, you know what? They're not hitting every shot perfect either. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I try to, anytime I'm coaching players, uh, you know, the ones that analyze every shot that they hit and they want to hit every shot perfect, um, it does go back to the TV that they see. And you're right. The TV shows the best players, the top five, top 10 in the tournament that week. So they're seeing the best shots that they're, that these guys are hitting and these gals are hitting. And you're right. There are a lot of players out there that are also struggling because it doesn't matter what level you're at. Everyone's going to hit bad shots. And, um, you know, yeah, I think it would be very helpful if, if they showed, um, you know, some missed hits here and there. I mean, we see, you know, Obviously, when Tiger Woods went through his struggles, we saw a lot of those shots. Well, that that's happened yeah. every single day on the tour. So, yeah, I think that that right. would be very beneficial to people for them to see that. You know, I think it would be fun if they put together maybe like a B-roll or something, you know, like, you know, they could, they could show in, in, in their, you know, in, inject that instead of all these commercials that we see on, on the, the uh, golf channel and throw, you know, here's a B-roll of, of the, uh, you know, AT&T Pebble Beach Challenge or something uh, yeah. of, of some of the mishits. And I know they have done that. I, I mean, I'm, I'm kidding, but they, they have done that occasionally where you'll see some bad shots. They'll recap it through a tournament. Um, but Tiger, you're right. Tiger was a great example. When Tiger was going through uh, his earlier part of a career, I remember, you know, he was all over the place, you know, off the tee, mm-hmm. and they would show how he would recover, and some of the shots that he would hit were just phenomenal. But again, it 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 uh, it showed that, you know, even he was was not able to hit everything perfect. Um, talk about a little bit, if you wouldn't mind, some of the benefits as a coach um, for things like video analysis and reviewing. How important is is it that we get our players that we're working with on video and, and how important is the reviews touch a little bit about your process there. Sure. Um, excuse me. We use, um, quite a bit of technology at our golf school, um, here in Phoenix. And what I find is majority of students are visual learners. Um, not all of them, but a lot of them are. And so even a new golfer being able to, you know, video what they have and say, okay, this is where you're at and this is where we're, where we're trying to go and maybe pull up. I don't even necessarily have to pull up a tour player because sometimes that's not realistic for the player. Um, but being able to say, okay, this is where you are and this is the position I kind of want you to be in. Um, now, I don't teach everybody that way because sometimes people, um, you know, they don't want to say, okay, go to nine o'clock and then you know, that kind of tenses them up. However, um, being able to see what they're doing, I think really is beneficial to them and they can see, you know, the areas there of improvement and uh, kind of their own swing tendencies. Right. Right. And, and you know what, that outside set of eyes, I mean, you know, sometimes, and we're going to talk about that, about the visual component um, that some golfers rely on, you know, obviously you're their, their set of eyes, but a lot of times, you know, in your explanation, and I'm sure you do a wonderful job, some people just don't get it. But once they see visually what you're talking about, and you're able to say, okay, see what you're doing here in this clip or this portion of the clip, that's what I'm referring right. to. 
then it sort of brings it all sure. home. Um, and, right. and Cindy, I know that you do, you know, I know that you've, uh, you videotape and have uh, a number of the people that you work uh, for. You agree with, with what um, Courtney's assessment has been? I do. I do. But I also believe that you need to help them realize whether they're audio, visual, or kinesthetic. And mm-hmm. once you know what they are and they know what they are, that you can clearly communicate in a way that makes more sense to them. Right. And I think that's imperative. Right. Yeah, and, and we're going to get into that with, with really this next question, um, Courtney, and, and that's about – and I'm going to skip one here, and I want to come back to the other one for a reason. Um, I want to talk a little bit about technology. You know, there's lots of debate about technology. I mean, obviously, we know there's some great stuff out there in the market, um, but there's also the dangers of getting a little bit too caught up in it um, and, and relying heavily on it too much to the point where we kind of forget uh, some of the basics of, of, uh, of the golf game. I know that you use things like TrackMan and, uh, and um, BodyTrack is one, and I wanted to mention that specifically because, um, Cindy, I know that you use BodyTrack and you're mm-hmm. there with, with uh, the, uh, the creator of BodyTrack as well. Tell us a little bit of your experience mm-hmm. uh, with this technology, Courtney, uh, and then, Cindy, uh, I'd like you to, to comment as well. Absolutely. So, yeah, we have a lot of technology at our hands. And uh, I do put most of my students on TrackMan. I do video all my students. I use BodyTrack as well, which is really, for those of you that don't know, um, just kind of weight pressure in your feet, and it shows you where your weight goes, um, toes or heels, right, right foot, left foot. And, and that really does impact the uh, swing plane and how the club is um, going through the impact zone. So um, anyways, you know, using all this technology as a coach, I like to see that information, but how Mm -hmm. I portray it to my student is another um, aspect. So for example, if I have um, a, a kinesthetic learner, you know, that may not be somebody that necessarily wants to know all the numbers um, of right. TrackMan, but if I'm able to, um, you know, see see the video and I can place the numbers together, and I'm a numbers person, um, that kind of helps me coach them as far as okay, this is kind of what they need, um, but this is how I'm going to explain it to them. Um, so I think that it's beneficial as a coach for us to understand um, as much as we can. Because the last thing I want is a student to come to me knowing more information than I do. I mean, we have some golf nuts that come down that, you know, they know track man numbers in and out. They, you know, <laughs> research, they watch videos and all sorts of stuff. Right. So I'm trying my best to stay up to speed so I can communicate with a person that, for example, an engineer that comes to me that right. wants to know all the numbers and all the information to help them be more successful. So, you know, as a coach, you kind of have to figure out, like what Cindy was saying, what kind of student do I have in front of me? Um, I'm going to put you on video and track man, but I may not use that or may not communicate to them, you know, your path is 10 degrees to the right. You know, that, that may not be right. beneficial to them. So I think, you know, as long as you're using technology to your benefit and to your student's benefit and not overdoing it, there's definitely a fine line there. Then you know, I think it can be very beneficial, um, you know, to their success. Right. And, and Cindy, you know, um, as we were talking earlier in the show, you know, Cindy is at an event down in, in Naples, Florida um, this week, and uh, she's there with uh, Terry Hashimoto, who is from, of course, Body Track. 
And, and Cindy, you, you know, you're going to be using that, that tool to, you know, get some information. And there's really a, a great opportunity here. One of the things I like about it is not only uh, does it give a chance to, to put some of the players on there, um, but this is also can be used as a learning tool, um, Cindy, for some of the coaches because you're gathering information from players who are playing at a high level. So it gives you sort of a, a um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, a, a level, if you will, to say, okay, this is what some of the best. A base, yes, that, thank you. God bless you. Um, a baseline, uh, you know, <laughs> to sort of work with. Um, so maybe just talk a little bit about that, Cindy, uh, you know, what you guys are doing there at the, the event this week. Well, what we're, the body track has been on the men's tour a lot, and they have lots and lots of traces from PGA Tour players. And they know what the most efficient and effective traces are for the best players in the world. And that's marvelous, but I don't teach a lot of tour players. I teach Mrs. Smith and Mr. Jones, and what, how is that going to help them? So we're trying to get women's traces because we don't have as many LPGA tour players. They have a bunch of Symmetra tour players uh, to see what's the difference between elite players on the men's and the women's side, but also to figure out what's the best way to help normal people because they're trying to sell body track mats to as many LPGA and PGA instructors as possible. And for me, you know, selfishly, I want to get better because I want to play in the Women's U.S. Senior Open in 2018. And I am not as using my body as efficiently as I should or could. So it's always, you're always able to improve. And so the funny thing is, yesterday we got Ariana Dutanagan and her sister on, on the body track, and their traces are totally different. And you can definitely <laughs> see why Ariana hits it so much further. Uh, and the funny thing is, at the end of the day, as I walked over to the volunteer tent on the, on the range, a nice old guy who was volunteering said, hey, what are you guys doing? So I explained it to him. And uh, he said, well, I'm, I'm retired. I'm from Dallas. I live here now in Naples. And... And I said, well, you know what? We're about ready to go, so I'm going to bring this mat over, and we're going to do a trace on you. And so the funny thing is, is he said, well, I'm 75 years old. Well, that doesn't matter because he's not reached his potential. He's still working on his game. So we did, you know, behind, the, down the line and the face-on, you know, version of the V1 with the body track thing, and we, we sent him the video, and he goes, well, how much is this thing? And I said, well, it's 3200 bucks." He goes, well, that's not bad. I go, well, look. Here's the deal. You can hook this up to your TV, you know, and again, it depends on the customer and what, what's their why. And his why is I want to get better and I want to hit it further and I'm old. And I'm like, God bless you. That's awesome. So, you know, he can sit there and practice in his living room and put this, you know, do an HDMI cable on his TV and practice his pressure, you know. So, there's all kinds of uses for it that really body track was born from the medical industry. They use the sensors in hospital beds for bed sores mm -hmm. and wheelchairs. Right. So the golf application grew from the medical industry and they're doing all kinds of awesome things with it. Um, and I'm just very excited because when you show someone, uh, I never even thought about my feet. Let's put it that way. I've never thought about my feet ever. And now sometimes I lose my balance and I'm like, you know, what's up with that? Well, now I know why. And now I can see it 
right? I can feel it. You're quantifying feel on a screen. Mm-hmm. You can't hear it right now, but mm-hmm. I believe it's awesome. Yeah, it's and I agree wholeheartedly. And it really goes, uh, Courtney, to to the you know the questions uh, and you know obviously you know you've explained the the why it's important for um, you know coach to understand the numbers because it really helps you to to prepare uh, a better assessment of your students. Um, but as Cindy pointed out, the you know for some there uh, and and you did as well. There's there's some that there are really want to understand and 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 use that particular technology. And then there's others that maybe some of that technology um, may not necessarily benefit from. So um, for those students, we have some training aids out there. You use training aids. Um, Tell us a little about some of the training aids that you use um, and why they, you know, why they should use them and do they really help? Absolutely. Um, Yeah, we, we use training aids all the time. Our um, main instructor, Martin Chuck is, invented uh, several different training aids um, that I have found beneficial. I'd say that the first two years that I coached here in Phoenix, I taught at the Wigwam, and I was just kind of starting out, and at the time I didn't even use video. So, you know, going from that situation to coaching students with video and more technology and then throwing in some training aids, in my opinion, I'm seeing students progress much faster um, just because the training aids can give them a good feel. Now, I do make sure that my students are focusing on the right things when they do have those training aids on um, because you could have a student that goes and has, let's say, um, one of our products is a smart ball. And what it is is it goes around your neck and you blow it up and it can go between your forearms so it um, promotes arm structure. And you know, if a student has the smart ball on and they're using it, you know, they could just be using it to use it and kind of going through the motions. And then once they take that training aid off, it's like, well, wait a minute, this doesn't work anymore. Um, So when you have a training aid on, it's really important to be focused on the feel. What kind of feel is that giving you? So if it's giving you better arm structure, maybe you feel Um, your right arm is squeezing closer to your left or whatever the feel may be. It's different for everybody. But I think that that needs to be kind of the takeaway. That way when we try to transfer it to a golf golf course or life situation, you know, the student isn't lost. And I think if you are going to use teaching aids, I think that's a really important part of it is that, you know, yeah, I can play great with this training aid on, but I can't take the training aid to the golf course. So, why would I use the training aid, you know? So I think how you use the training aids would be, um, you know, essential to their success as well. Well, exactly right. And and I think that, you know, again, it's like anything, you know, if you equate it to the exercise industry, you know, there's lots of great um, videos, DVDs, um, you know, training aids in the exercise uh, field as well. Mm-hmm. But the problem is what most people do is, you know, when they're in the class, you know, they're doing everything right. But if they try to do it on their own, some, for some mm-hmm. reason, it just doesn't seem to gel as much. And I think it's, it, there's a disconnect sometimes with people, you know, a lot of times, you, you know, they might be at a golf course and you've got a, a you know, a, a training aid or something that you're using. And maybe it's something that you're offering for sale in the pro shop. And they say, well, yeah, I'm going to take one of those and I can, you know, use it at home. But when they get home and away mm-hmm. from that environment, 
if they don't truly understand the connection between the aid and, and what it's and the feel, as you said, then a lot of times they lose and it ends up collecting dust in their garage. So um, mm-hmm. that's a key element right there is I think that not only having the aids available, but making sure as, as coaches that the students fully understand what they should be feeling from that experience so that they can, you know, if they're away from you, because it's like you said, you know, out in the golf course, they can't take the training aid with them. Well, they can't take the coach necessarily. I mean, certainly in a practice session, but in a, mm-hmm. in a tournament environment, you know, the coach can't follow them around every hole and say, okay, you know, Sally, you need to do this and no here, you know, you're not doing that. Your arms a little bit this way. So they have to be mm-hmm. able to understand and absorb the information that they're getting through their practice sessions uh, and be able to relate that out in the golf course. And I know that you do that, uh, you know, very eloquently when you take your students, I'm sure, uh, out on the golf course, correct? Correct, yeah. And, you know, another good way to that right. I like Sorry, is... sorry. Yeah, sorry, that was for you, Cord. Yeah. Oh, oh is that for Cindy? No, it was for you. Oh, for me. Okay. Yeah, so when yeah, when we take them onto the golf course, occasionally we'll have them use training ahead, aids, I, but uh, Are you there? Go ahead, Nicole. Or uh, sorry, I was looking at something. Go ahead, <laughs> yes, Corey. I'm sorry. Yeah, so you know, we we do take them on the course with the training aids, but um yep. there's two a point. Go ahead, Courtney. We won't we we want them to be able to use, you know, what they learned in their practice session on the golf course. And a good a good example would be if I had a student, I want them to use the training aid to begin with and develop the feel. And then the next step would be, okay, let's do your rehearsal swings with the training aid in, and then you're going to actually hit some shots without it. That way you're trying to transfer that feel into a swing where they, they aren't using the training aid. Um, and then when we take them on the golf course, uh, most of the time we don't have the training aids with us, but if they oh. need more work with it, they can always do that. Okay. I think I think we had a little glitch here. Um, can you ladies hear me? Can. I can hear you. Okay. I'm not hearing either one can of you. you. Um, oh, no. I'm not sure what happened here, but uh, try and see if we can, figure this out here. My apologies. For some reason, we're having a a technical issue here. Um, I'm not sure if either one of you can hear me, so I'm going to try to uh, reestablish my uh, connection here, and um, I'm not sure if either you can hear each other, but... Courtney? Yes, Cindy, I can hear you. Okay. So, what kind of um, training aids do you take out on the golf course with them? What would you, what would be an example of taking a training aid out while they're playing? Sure. We do, um, like I said, the smart ball is for arm structure. So this last week um, we had a guy take uh, the smart ball out for every, um, excuse me, at the end of our golf schools, we always take them out on the course for about two hours. And so uh, one of the days we had him take the smart ball out because it tremendously improved his arm structure in the backswing and it changed where the golf club was coming from. Um, So what we encourage would be, you know, that day he took it out, the next day he wouldn't um, because obviously you can't play on the golf course with a smart ball. But he was kind of in the area where he hadn't gotten 
enough of the feel that when he would go out on the course, his elbow still wouldn't be in the right place. Um, so that's kind of where he was at. Um, some of the other training aids, we use the toolbox all the time, which is really just for alignment. Um, so it has alignment, and you can attach a stick in the middle. So there's, it's kind of like a T-squared to where they can see where they're aiming. Um, and I think that that's really beneficial in the course um, always to have with you just because a lot of times the alignment can um, change what the golf swing is if they're aiming too far right or left. Sometimes a student will just automatically adjust for that aim. Um, so that would be another one that we would we would like to take on the golf course. That's a great idea. Fanta- fantastic. And, yes, I am back, ladies. I don't know what happened, but uh, oh, I took a – momentarily uh, evaporated into uh, uh, thin air or something. Um, Let me just ask you, because we're we're obviously coming up close to the end of our time, unfortunately. And, um, but I wanted to ask you a question since I mentioned early on, um, you know, you obviously um, learned very early on from your father, who was also a professional, uh, Charlie. Um, What were some of the early lessons that your father taught you when you were growing up and, and first taking interest in golf, what were some of the things that you remember that maybe you're carrying into your, your coaching career? For sure. Uh, that's a great question. He uh, obviously had a big impact in my life and he's um, still, still coaching and uh, still a head pro and general manager in Kansas city. But yeah, um, there's so much that I learned from him. And, and one of the biggest things was, Um, and this doesn't even have to do with the golf swing itself, but I would come into the golf course just to check in and say hi, and and it was, well, you're not getting any better in here. So that was was one of the biggest things. I was like, yo, well, you're right. (laughs) All these other players are out practicing. I better get out there and practice. So uh, just that encouragement from him, um, you know, how hard you actually have to work to – um, get a college scholarship and to play on tour. Um, I think this is really geared more towards the young ones that are interested in, you know, pursuing a career playing on tour was, you know, just that encouragement, not a forceful, um, you have to go out and do this, but um, it was just kind of a reminder of, you know, yeah, you're right. I shouldn't be sitting in here for hours on end when, you know, I could be out practicing. Um, but yeah, well, just, um, different short game drills that he would help me um, do. And obviously with the golf swing, he was always, um, you know, very smart about, well, you know, let's just focus on this one thing and not um, eight different things. So I think that that's one thing that really has gone into my coaching is students get so many swing thoughts and um, swing right. changes that, you know, it really – you know, limit them as to what their potential could be if, you know, here's your training. I have three things for you to work on, but this is the order of importance, and this is the only thing that you focus on right now. And once we start improving on this, then we can go to step two. Um, And I think, you know, just planning out the lesson was something that he always did well, um, and that's something that I have, you know, incorporated into my coaching as well. Hmm. Um, I would say that that fathers can be the great equalizer when it comes to um, telling you telling you straight uh, as opposed to mothers. I know you know when my father first took me out. That's of course how I learned the game. And I remember the very first time he took me out in the golf course and and uh, was giving me a few pointers here and there. And he 
I remember him at the end of the the the, the session. He said uh, Jack Nicholas has nothing to worry about. So that pretty much <laughs> summed it up for me. Right. But no, I'm I'm just kidding. Exactly. But um, but you know, it, it, that sounds like he he gave you some great advice. So what's next for you, Courtney? I mean, are you still? Uh, let me ask you, are you still competing uh, on the Symmetra Tour? Uh, and uh, in addition to, to your coaching, and then let the folks know if they want to reach out to you, um, if they're in the air, uh, Phoenix area, area, if they want to reach out to you and, and maybe work with you, how they can get a hold of you. Sure. Um, I, I don't compete on tour anymore. I actually just had um, my first baby in July, so she's four months old. Um, so I'm balancing my coaching and, and being a mother, um, and it's amazing. So we're, we're really... Um, enjoying that aspect of our lives right now um but yeah I, I still coach and i love it i'm doing the tour striker golf schools here um through the end of the year and then um you know we're going to restructure some of the things that i'm doing um for myself personally but you can always reach out on social media um mm-hmm. or my my email on my website uh, at com is probably the best way to get a hold of me perfect um, well, first off, congratulations on your little one. Uh, I know that uh, yeah. I, I won't I won't say for sure, but uh, maybe there'll be a, a future LPGA star uh, in the mix coming up uh, with your with your little one. We'll wait and see uh, how that progresses. But at the very least, for I'm sure. sure she'll have some great ex- great exposure, and you'll have you'll have somebody <laughs> to play with um, when she gets a little bit older and, and able to get on the golf course. But um, Courtney, Absolutely. thank you very much. I wish we had I wish we had more time, but unfortunately, we've got to go. Yes. Um, but we we will definitely uh, invite invite you back uh, for some further discussion. I know there's lots of things we didn't get to, but uh, we unfortunately we just didn't for have sure. time. And I and again I apologize uh, for a little hiccup here on my end. But um, but thank you very much. Keep doing the great work that you do, and uh, we look forward to having you back on the show. No problem. Thanks, thank you Courtney. guys so much. I appreciate it. Thanks, Cindy. Nice to talk to you. You too, honey. All right, that was our uh, very special guest this morning, uh, Courtney Mann uh, Gilday, a uh, great young lady. And Cindy, I know that you've got to go and you've uh, got things going on in, in Naples. So uh, on behalf of Cindy Miller and I, I want to take this opportunity uh, to thank the listeners for tuning in each and every week. And we'll be back, of course, next week with another interesting show. And again, our heartfelt uh, condolences uh, to the family and friends of uh, the late LPJ professional Don Coe Jones. Uh, certainly going to be missed by many, many, many uh, fellow uh, tour players and friends and family. So, uh, again, our condolences to, to those people. Um, on that note, Cindy, thank you. God bless. And we'll be back here next week on the Women of Golf Show. Thank you. Bye-bye.